This episode of the Kick Knowledge Podcast is powered by rapanalysis.com. Hi, welcome to the Kick Knowledge Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Steven. We're two white boys who like talking about hip-hop. Yeah, we do. In this case, we are... Multiples. That sounds weird. Um, we are. We mu- have a, a special guest today. Um, Two special from guests. The, yes, from the Watch the Throne podcast, the number one podcast about Kanye. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, you, you guys are on. So, like, introduce- yeah. So, Travis and Chris, <laughs> welcome to the show. Welcome to Kick Knowledge. Yeah, thanks for having us. My name's Travis, and hey, yeah, Chris. I'm Chris. <laughs> <laughs> That's your names, yes. And um, as sort of um, most of the world knows you on Twitter at Kanye Podcast, right? Um, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so great to have you on. Um, Kanye West is a is a is a an artist that regularly comes up in our show. Um, but not as often as it does on your podcast. Um, <laughs> I mean, I haven't counted, but just I'm assuming that's the case since you've dedicated a, a podcast yeah. to um, to the the genius and the work of this this one guy, uh, Mr. West. Um, yeah. Ninety nine percent of the time it's Kanye and one percent of the time we make fun of Jay-Z. Yeah. Clazy or something. <laughs> or Clazy. Yeah. We don't make fun of Clay, though. He's our friend. Yes. <laughs> Right to the uh, inside jokes. And yeah. In the uh, the last episode, we talked with Martin. Uh, pretty much the entire episode, we talked about Kanye stuff. So, and I know in this episode we're talking about more Kanye stuff. So I'm sure I promise we're not stealing y'all's thunder. Like this is just <laughs> we're coming. It's not possible. Up, we're coming. For and then you. it's hard not to talk about. So. It is, it's a, it's a nice just, change of you know, pace for us because usually yeah. um, we, like every episode, we end up talking about Eminem or Jay Dilla. Um, yeah. That is sort of a given for, for us. <laughs> My favorite rapper is Zach's favorite producer. So, um, but to be honest, I think Kanye might be my favorite artist, um, rap, hip hop artist or artist in general, even just judging from based on the entire discography, right? There is... Um, really no bad albums in his catalog whereas for for eminem well there's some um <laughs> so you know uh, even though that's my favorite rapper uh kai is like is high on my list and um and i'm assuming for for zach too uh at least for production um there is you know like if you're if you're talking kanye west there is always a lot of controversy surrounding that and um uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot that we're going to talk about today, but um, something that I really don't want to forget asking you is um, what went through your mind after sort of this whole sort of Twitter storm surrounding Kanye yes. earlier <laughs> this year? Um, were you like, oh, yes, this is going to boost our, uh, our, our audience oh. numbers? Or like, <laughs> oh, shit, we have to defend this now. <laughs> Like, you mean happened? selfishly? How are we thinking about how this would benefit yeah. us? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that uh, was a uh, that was rough. That was rough. Yeah. 
I mean, the, it, it's kind of a mixed bag because, yeah, you're going to get a lot of hits on your show, but then you're going to get the kind of hate train coming at you full force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was uh, I was on Twitter a lot during that period. It was like a an endurance run of <laughs> just Twitter where it was hours and hours a day just being like, this was the conversation. Like, he said this, he didn't say that. Like, yeah. it was... Mm. trying to put it, it in, into of, context that it, yeah <laughs> yeah because that's the thing that i notice so often with kanye stuff like travis and i don't have an issue uh criticizing kanye or being critical of kanye mm-hmm. disagreeing with kanye but most of the time the conversations i see on twitter or in news outlets and media coverage of kanye they're not getting the full context of what he's saying or they're skewing the perception of what he's saying, mm-hmm. like with the I love Trump stuff, nobody was not nobody, but media outlets, no one was really looking at the context of the times that he had talked about Trump mm-hmm. and the fact that policy had never come up, that Kanye wasn't yelling, build that wall, that he was just kind of saying, hey, I like uh, I like Trump's energy. I like that he wasn't supposed to be president and was president. Mm-hmm. Um, even after Ye versus the People, the video with Ti came out. Uh, even after the album dropped mm-hmm. and uh, the Charlemagne interview, it still wasn't the main talking point. That there's this dichotomy between appreciating what somebody achieved, regardless of how they achieved it, versus. Uh, being 100% behind everything that they say and do in all their political policy. Yeah, now that makes like, sense. Like, it's interesting kind of in the after- aftermath, of now that we're kind of, like, in the aftermath of this, like, it's, <laughs> it's all, like, you know, the dust is settling down, or, like, okay. Like, and even, like, Kanye at this point, like, I think he was on Jimmy Kimmel recently, and he was kind of talking about this whole debacle and his own political views and stuff like that. And the more, you know, whether it's, through like listening to Ye or even like Kid See Ghosts a little bit, like I have more of an understanding of where he's coming from. However, I mm-hmm. don't think because his basic like whole message through all of this is like you know he just wants people to come together and he's like tired of all like the hate being spewed whether it's on Twitter or towards him or towards other people and it's like. I totally get that and I like understand why he wants to feel mm-hmm. that way but it's also he's in a position where he's kind of like on the t- whether he's getting criticized or not he's still going to be like on the top of the world basically like and everyone's going to be looking at what he's doing and like especially on that that Kimmel interview where he, where he was talking about you know he doesn't want people you know he's trying not to hate Trump because he doesn't want to hate anyone and stuff but it's like Okay, I wish we could li- live in that reality where everyone could just get along and everything was going fine. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's the mindset that he's trying to like get everyone in. And a lot of people are, you know, and rightfully so upset because there are things happening right now in the current political climate that are awful and abhorrent. And the yeah. fact that he's just trying, it seems like he's just staying ignorant of that. Because, like, I remember, I think it was during the TI interview, he didn't know anything about like the Muslim ban. Like, he didn't know. Like, and that's, that's like a horrible thing that's happening right now. And it's just, he's trying to just be like, hey, man, let's all just come together. And it's like, 
Kanye, I want I want to be on your side. I wish we could live in that reality. I right love now. the hippie shit you're talking about, but I, you know. <laughs> that's just unfortunately not the reality that we live in. And people are it's upset. Other than you know, obviously there's the you know the slavery comments that are just completely abhorrent, and like I don't personally think are excusable in any way. But like you know, and that that's the like beyond that, like you have to think complexly about this. You know what? What, like I find, what I find uh, Sorry. what I find interesting about like th- that comment, like the juxtaposition of the Charlemagne interview and the TMZ one, right? Um, I always like I'm <clears throat> I'm pretty convinced that Kanye West is a very intelligent, very very smart guy, right? Like he knows what he's doing. That at least he has to know what he's doing in order to make that many great albums right and be that successful with with the with the sneakers and stuff like that right um Mm -hmm. and it always confuses me to see how bad he is at interviews uh in sort of the the tv format like the talk show format rather than or compared to like how good he was in the charlemagne interview where Mm -hmm. he had the time to like think Right, and always, and always makes me think that he's doing it sort of on purpose. I, I just want to back up a little bit to what, something that was said earlier, and how it's hard to know where Kanye's coming from sometimes. But when you listen to his music, like it seems so clear cut, you know, yeah, yeah. like it, like everything just comes together, and you're like, oh, this is what he's trying to say. Yeah, and that's because Kanye West is an artist, mm-hmm. and as you're kind of touching on his communication has issues sometimes yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it, it, he's saying things and it feels like a rambling thought you're not sure where he's going and um yes kanye sometimes is a bad communicator maybe most of the time i don't know uh, <laughs> I, maybe because i've studied kanye so much that all of it makes sense to me now but um i think that it's important to remember that he is an artist and that while he has responsibility as a gigantic artist with a lot of reach, it's not really his job to, in my opinion anyway, it's not his job to go out and give this sweeping speech, this eloquent, well-put-together speech oh, that's course. going to change the world. Um, I think he's changing the world with his art. Like, I think I'm a better person and a more loving person, a more empathetic person, um, because I listen to his music, I feel like I'm more aware of mental health and what people go through when they're bipolar or going through depression mm-hmm. because of his music. And I think all that is, to me anyway, uh, much more important And the reason I started writing about movies and music in the first place, because stories and narratives and themes and ideas are what change people. Yeah. And it's, it, again, it would be great if he could go on Kimmel and give this amazing retort to you know the trump question but i it just isn't Kanye's strong suit like he's much better at i you know i actually think he's answered all of the questions about trump on yay i feel like he has um, given a lot of insight into why he feels that way you know what loving everyone can do because the journey on yay is him going from being scared and in a mental prison to being free and mending relationships and being more open to the world Mm -hmm. i feel like all that is so much more powerful than what everybody wants from him is to go on kimmel and just say what every celebrity in the world is already saying is that trump has terrible policies like yeah we all know that (laughs) i think kanye the artist being the person he is he just he wants more. He wants to go so far past that that he doesn't 
what to give that simple answer in a way. Mm. The only thing that the in in light of what you're saying that um, it reminds me of the uh, you had Justin Hunt on uh, on your podcast right recently, um, mm-hmm. and he sort of uh, very uh, clearly outlined sort of how every album cycle is marked by controversy um, for Kanye, right? And yeah. um, sort of like that sort of turned Justin off, like sort of made him less interested in, in Kanye's work because it like he, 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 as he analyzed it, at least he um, saw Kanye always causing a stir right before he releases an album. And it makes me think uh, that maybe like Kanye sort of messing up these interviews is sort of a strategy to get attention. Like he doesn't need that. So why, if that is the best way for him to communicate, then why doesn't he just communicate through his art, through uh, through the music and through the lyrics and the and whatever he's doing? Back in uh, back when we first started the podcast, one of the things uh-huh. that we would talk a lot about was, and that was 2015, um, was that Kanye did perform a lot in interviews. That if you heard people talk about their interactions with Kanye behind the scenes, yeah. Uh, whether it were <clears throat> these famous architects or this famous painter or his stepmom, they all talked about how polite, knowledgeable, yeah. uh, conversational Kanye was. And that often the guy that they see in the media wasn't who they encountered. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we used to talk about that as almost definitive in the way that just like, yeah, he's obviously almost in a character when he goes on these interviews. It's this ramped up uh, persona. But I think what we saw in the last couple years, especially like 2016 with the Ellen show and right. uh, getting into his mental breakdown and then the comeback and TMZ. And one of the things that stood out to me is what he said on Kimmel is the album cover uh, not being opposites. I hate being bipolar. It's awesome. Wasn't this idea that being bipolar sucks and is awesome in that way, but Mm -hmm. that he hates being bipolar. And as he went on to describe, when he went to TMZ, he was in such a ramped up state that it's almost like Tourette's at that point. The things Mm -hmm. that he says just kind of come flying out and he's having this episode Mm -hmm. of bipolar mania. And as he described it to Kimmel, it was awesome that people got to see him in that way or see a celebrity in that way. And the takeaways that they get from that, despite it being something that nearly ended him (laughs) like socially (laughs) and acceptable or acceptability wise, uh, he thought it was this powerful example of mental health, which I think is what I hate being bipolar. He feels he hates it, but it's a powerful example to people uh, in that way. So looking back on that, I wonder how much the stress of an interview or mm-hmm. um, his undiagnosed bipolar leading up to recently had contributed Mm -hmm. to 
a lot of what we thought was a character at that time or yeah. kind of caused him to go about how he marketed the album yeah leading up to thing i just mm. i i feel like that's a dynamic that makes that conversation less black and white than it would seem yeah yes. uh, Agreed. yeah you sort of have to revisit these old sort of crazy moments uh, in in sort of kanye's uh interview catalog i don't know how you want to say this but yeah and sort of is was this a choice or was he was he like just affected by the situation in a way that was caused by by mental disease like mental illness <laughs> and you know q-tip agreed q-tip uh q-tip agreed with what you said when the every everybody is love what is it everything is love mm -hmm. uh yeah the jay-z beyonce album came yeah. out uh q-tip was saying that this is how you release an album like you just drop it no fanfare yeah. and yeah. The, let the music and the art speak for itself rather than doing these listening parties and stirring up this controversy and etc cetera, etc cetera. um yeah so i can see that argument as well i was thinking about what you said earlier Stephen, and i I feel like I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit because um, <laughs> I don't know if I entirely agree with this point, with but yourself, I'm going to make it anyway. Right. But um, <laughs> with the whole, you know, st you know, creating this hype train and creating all this controversy in a way, like I agree that that's probably not the best approach, but also it always works. Like, or at least for yeah. me personally, like, Boy, I was excited to hear Yay. Yeah. Like, I was like, I want to <laughs> hear this right now. Like, and had he just been like, oh, hey, I dropped an album, and I'd be like, okay, I'll listen to it later. Like, I would have just been like, okay, cool, a new Kanye album. Like, I don't know if it would have been, I mean, it's Kanye, I would have been excited, but just because of there's this whole hype around to it, I was like, I gotta have it right now. Like, I, mean, I need I to have it. I can't lie, it was 6 a.m. or something over here. Yeah. In Europe, like, and I was, I was, you know, <laughs> I was watching the, uh, which made the Nas one extra frustrating. <laughs> Escobar oh, yeah, season. <laughs> God, that's like, terrible. But yeah, no, especially like, like you're right. With um, when Life of Pablo came out and the whole controversy with Taylor Swift, and I was all on that hype train because I was like, "Fuck Taylor Swift, this is gonna be awesome!" <laughs> like I was so pumped because it was like, you know, and had he not, and then, you know, that was a different you know experience because it was someone that I like also like. Like, I, I hated. Uh, so, like, throwing, like, her in the, <laughs> under the bus, kind of, I was like, yeah, but then, like, when it's, like, the whole, you know, what he's done with this whole, the yay, this whole cycle of albums that he's released, it's it's a much different sort of yeah. monster, and it's, a, it's way more complex than I think than his past releases and controversies. Yeah, I agree. Um... Talking about the, uh, uh, we, we touched upon the, the listening parties and sort of that being part of the marketing strategy. Um, I got to thank you guys, uh, and apparently mostly Chris, since he's run, running the uh, Twitter account. But You're I undoubtedly thanking you for, Chris for something. <laughs> I got to thank you guys for uh, being a really, um, making it a lot of fun to sort of, sit <laughs> watch like these endless streams of nothing happening um 
because sort of Twitter was blowing up. I, I'm I'm pretty sure that at some point or maybe at mul- multiple points, you sort of reached the tweeting limit um, <laughs> yeah. during yeah. those evenings, which goes to show sort of the dedication you guys have as a uh, <laughs> towards your fans <laughs> and towards Kanye. Um, how was it to? Because um, like like Zach and I, we we listened to those albums and we uh, we had our sort of first opinions we talked to each other to some of our friends right but we weren't doing it like on air on twitter with thousands of people seeing what we're like what we're doing how was it to sort of is it i can imagine um it might feel very vulnerable to like share like a sort of stream of consciousness reply um or reaction really to to the songs that you're hearing as they're playing for the first time right that that's sort of what you guys were doing a lot on on twitter and i always i always like to reflect on albums before i judge them at least publicly uh and you really <laughs> weren't given the opportunity or um to do that how was it to um present your first impressions and then how did your thoughts about those albums uh evolve really it was a sort of long question to ask a basic thing i guess but (laughs) hey to get into the social media aspect before i think travis can talk to how the when we started the podcast episodes on it how that started and evolved yeah with the immediate social media you know there's so much hype that it's kind of easy just to follow the hype (laughs) and all you have to do is kind of be excited about your first impressions and type in all caps like I put my hand on a stove. <laughs> what the fuck? That's awesome. And, you know, people people vibe to it. Um, thankfully, it wasn't much of a need for that immediate explanation of this is the album structure. These are the, the themes and the you kind of just get to talk about some of the highlights that stood out and talk about the right. experience and really enjoy I guess the online moshing <laughs> that goes on <laughs> on Twitter um, and have that excitement. But then when it comes to formal, formally discussing it on the podcast, yeah, it's something where <clears throat> Travis and I, I think the next day we're just like, okay, and we're doing how many episodes, how quickly and <laughs> doing what? Yeah, we were way too ambitious at first. We The plan was to release one yay episode of one Kitsy Ghost ghost episode per week and to just fly through the albums and to get all our thoughts out there right away which is in retrospect fucking insane like i don't know (laughs) what we were thinking because you're on the hype train man (laughs) yeah ultimately i'm glad we did it we're channeling that dragon energy we're just going for it yeah um but i mean even when we covered the life of pablo we had several months to take it in and think about it and discuss it and then put out episodes to whereas, you know, the day Kitsy Dro- Ghost dropped, we were recording the episode doing an overview of the entire album. Yeah. Um, we we really went for it. And I actually think we did a really good job. And I mean, to this day, we've pretty much captured the general narrative and journey of the album. Uh, mm-hmm. But as Chris could probably agree with, uh, after going song by song and talking about them week by week and listening to the albums more and more definitely a lot more opens up and there's stuff we missed in 
I thought about killing you and yikes and feel the love. It, that's all the stuff we'll have to go back and, and cover eventually. All the subtleties um, and the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially too is, um, I guess if anybody's been listening to the show for a while or anybody that goes back and listens to an older episode, we've upped our production game and mm-hmm. we're trying to splice in a lot more song clips and make it more of a cohesive uh, analysis to where it kind of feels like you're listening to the song as you're listening to us talk about it. And at the same time, you're experiencing like Kanye West's entire discography because we're relating something he did in this song back to like something he did in Jesus or something. Um, so we're covering a lot of ground, even with like the little knowledge we have about the album. I think that kind of speaks to how much Kanye's like at any given moment, like a billion things are happening in the Kanye West song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One good example of that. <clears throat> is you know we we just covered no mistakes and reborn on kidsy ghosts oh i love and reborn <laughs> it's so good uh, it's one of my favorite just... songs maybe of all time um <laughs> in my, tune in, in tuesday yeah. then i'm so i'm so reborn i'm moving forward keep moving forward keep moving forward ain't no stress on me But we just kind of made the subtle connection like this far into covering these albums between Kanye on Power way back in 2010 Mm -hmm. saying Mm -hmm. my childlike creativity, purity and honesty is honestly being crowded by these grown thoughts. Reality Reality is catching catching up with me, taking my inner child. I'm fighting for it. Custody. I quoted that Um, line on the previous on our previous episode, I'm pretty sure as an illustration (laughs) of why Kanye West is definitely a good rapper too, not just the oh, producer yeah. who yeah. raps. Because I love those bars. But yeah, <laughs> continue. <laughs> it's such a good section. But that's one, of, that's one of the things where like, from the beginning, we should have been framing both albums with that context in mind. Yeah. But because both albums were still fresh to us and we're getting more of the macro... And only over time making those more nuanced micro connections. That was mm-hmm. something that we didn't put two and two together until uh, five episodes, ten episodes into <laughs> 14 yeah. of covering these albums. When we were talking earlier, you know, how Kanye best communicates through his art. I feel like that's most apparent, especially, you know, in all either on yay or like all these you know kids he goes all the albums he's produced because like he's not only in like production but in like you know lyrics like this is some of the best rapping i've heard from him it's solid on on Nas like all my my favorite parts of the new Nas album are the parts where Nas was not on it for some reason (laughs) like all of like (laughs) like kanye's production and lyrics are just like i was like holy shit like where's this fit like oh my god like <laughs> yeah he kills it on cop shot the kid oh my god that's one oh, of my well, favorite yeah. Kanye verses like now so yeah. But yeah just agreeing like that's very apparent you know you look at the Kimmel interview and then you look at you know something like cop shot the kid and it's like yeah you're you're totally right like he's just better communicating through this that medium so mm-hmm. yeah yeah, nobody was freaking out when Kanye was talking about New Slaves uh, and St. Pablo, where he talks about 400 years later, we buying our own chains. Mm-hmm. He had 
been talking it all falls down is even getting into mental prison and the prison of consumerism and what society has people doing that has yeah, he's been saying that from the get-go yeah and when it all falls down man i promise i'm so self-conscious that's why you always see me with at least one of my watches rollies and poshies that drove me crazy i can't even pronounce nothing past that for safety then I spent 400 bucks on this Just to be like, nigga, you ain't up on this And I can't even go to the grocery store Without some ones that's clean And a shirt with a team scene. We live in the American dream The people high up got the lowest self-esteem How he said it in TMZ while having a manic episode <laughs> Didn't capture or convey his thoughts accurately But when you go back and listen to his music It's something that has been a cornerstone of songs that people admire yeah. and point to as good lyrical Kanye songs. I can't keep working like this. This grave shift is like a slave ship. <laughs> and it's just like, that's, that's kind of an example of when he speaks, he can flub it, fuck it up, especially when that mania is going on. But when you look at the presentation of it in the music, it's something that people are like, oh, yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, There's a good... Sorry, I keep interrupting. No, go ahead, um, man. Go ahead. Um, I think it was an article in Hip Hop DX, and it came out... I know Sean Sotero shared it on Twitter. Um, I don't remember who it was by, but um, it was. It came out like right after Ye dropped, I think. And it was, it was by someone... The article was by someone who had or who has bipolar and it was discussing about how yay is an, a good representation of kind of mania in, mm -hmm. in bipolar. And it was just like a perspective that I had not even considered. Cause like when we talk about that, that specific sort of like mental illness, like the representation of mania isn't really represented artistically or at least are, are as good as what Ye is or is, is doing. And it's like something I didn't even consider. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess when you look at it that way, it's like a whole different perspective of, oh, this is what. And the person was like, obviously, like giving their own perspective of their episodes with bipolar and, and stuff like that. So it was it was an interesting take on that, because I feel like with with stuff like depression, like especially in hip hop in recent years, you know, with stuff like whether it's XXS, XXX or mm -hmm. Kendrick or whoever, like that's, you've been seeing more of that discussion happen, you know, in albums, but like bipolar, that hasn't hit, or at least I, I can't think of any other examples until Ye dropped. So I, yeah, I don't know. I was going on. Like me personally, I've, I I loved Daytona uh, by Pusha T. I loved the production oh, yeah. on there. I thought Kanye was so on point. I absolutely adore Kid See Ghosts. Um, but Ye, I was I was kind of disappointed by Ye. Not that it's not a good album, but like what I loved about Kanye was his sort of him doing eighty three remixes of the drums on Stronger to get them perfect, right? Um, him doing 20 different versions of uh, All of the Lights before he was satisfied. And sort of that perfectionism of Kanye was what I was drawn to. Um, it's just not what I like Kanye for. You know what I mean? 
Mm. I love the old Kanye, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. I, yeah. I think you're getting at, I mean, something he's even spoken on. I, on the Kimmel interview, he said that um, that he would go to sleep, you know, and come out and like, every, and he would give everyone instructions. He would go to bed and come back and everyone would have the song exactly where he wanted. Like Kanye yeah. is in such a better state than he was in, say, the St. Pablo tour. When the yeah. guy, the guy was just working twenty four seven, he was draining himself. There was sleep deprivation. Um, the perf- that perfection you're talking about requires so much from him yeah. mentally that it was destroying him. And I guess I, I see what you're saying. I could see how you wouldn't enjoy the album as much because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I don't ever get that sense from it when I'm listening to it. And I'd actually, actually would want to know like if you have any off the top of your head any line specifically where you don't think it's quite there um but um like- well he mispronounces cash as cachet and doesn't fix the lyrics um he's well he's humming so- some words like niggas say they hero mm, i don't see no cape mm, i don't see no mm, yeah i don't see no mm, mm. there is some mixing issues i think with the album that wouldn't have been mm-hmm. on there if it was say right dark fantasy um but it, what, what we what we're um sort of i've heard about the mixing issues and again i think just this is probably a terrible thing to say because i host a music podcast but <laughs> i never really listen to music that way you know mm-hmm. like i am more responding to the energy of it and kind of what's being captured and i think everything like i was saying like a healthier kanye like that yeah, I feel more of Kanye in this. Like, I feel like he poured his heart and soul into this record the same way he did, but without doing it in the way he did, you know, from Beautiful Dark Trips Fantasy and Jesus and Life of Pablo, these sort of like draining ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I still feel all of him in it because the energy he's bringing to it is much healthier energy. So I guess if I was going to listen to this album with a like producer's ear or something and yeah. really pick apart the beats and picking apart, like, okay, he didn't say this word correctly. I guess I would get that, but I, maybe I'm so deep in the Kanye train at this point. Like, I, uh, <laughs> well, I am you know, just really yeah. responding to the energy of it. Yeah. And that, that's fine. And I hate saying this of like, you know, well, it's all subjective and blah, blah, blah. like, well, duh, it's music. And, but I, you know, Going back on what I said earlier, you know, there are also people, you know, that I, whether it's articles or stuff I read on Twitter, that, you know, do have bipolar and have come out and said that, like, yeah, is a terrible representation of bipolar. You know, they've said the exact opposite, you know, and it's it's because it's all subjective, you know, it just depends (laughs) on perspective. Yeah. I think think we're touching on something that's interesting um, because... uh, yeah, well, your, your podcast, it revol- it's all about Kanye and his discography, but there's one focus point, right? And it's sort of the narrative structure of his albums and how each of these songs that he has is connected to, um, to like, bigger narratives on an album or even throughout uh, Kanye's c- career. Um, and w- what I really appreciate about your podcast is that... Um, you're you're focusing on one aspect of the music that is often sort of ignored which is the narrative structure you get you guys uh if i'm correct your your background is in film right um Mm -hmm. so you're so that's how you're approaching kanye's work um and i i feel like that explains a lot of 
why this record was so divisive um in a sense that me being coming at it from like a music perspective and a, a lyrics perspective but mostly like a a lyricism perspective like bars you know like like a rapper's mm -hmm. perspective um i'm not impressed by this record sometimes i take all the shine talk like i drink all the wine right like i'm not impressed by yay because he's not except for the part where he's um uh the the ice cube what's that bar there's a there's a few really cool <laughs> no things mistakes. that he's yeah, right. Uh, that one. The true soul, I ice cube too close to snipe you. Truth told, I like you. Too bold to type you. Too rich to fight you. Calm down, you light skin. True soul of ice cube. And then I like the way back. I really like how he's timing the flow with these uh, snare drums or uh, tom drums. How you gonna hate, nigga? We go way. When I had the braids and you had the wave cap, drop a pin for the fade and I'm on my way. ASAP. Don't get sucked in the map, you know, homie, don't play that. Pay the five marshal bill because it's shit that got way back. Like, he's doing some really cool stuff um, from mm -hmm. a technical perspective as a rapper, but it's, but he's, he's not challenging the boundaries of the art form in that way, right? And he's definitely yeah. not doing that. I think this is his least um, game-changing record in terms of music, in terms of production. I don't feel like he's doing a lot of new things. Well, one of the things that stands out to me that I find fascinating as somebody that... Like, we started outside of rap and music, as you said, and mm -hmm. have been coming into it with our perception from not just a film background, but my like core backgrounds poetry and fiction mm. travis's is fiction journalism and we both brought those to uh film right and we're doing more of the narrative thematic deconstructions and bringing the style to that that wasn't just review and in looking at rap and how people talk about rap that are rap people like yourself that are looking at production that are looking at lyricism yeah one of the things that always stands out to me is people talking about the bars or lyrics <laughs> and that kanye's bars or lyrics aren't good on this album or on other albums and uh it's funny to me because from my poetry background it almost seems to be getting at conversation between metered forms of poetry yeah versus freeform poetry mm -hmm. to where for a lot of the conversation freeform was thought less than because mm -hmm. it wasn't using the structures that people were familiar with whether that's the uh iambic pentameter or the a b a b c rhyme scheme like mm -hmm. a sonnet or a villanelle or any of those kind of classic uh, structured poems and it took centuries for freeform to become more uh, regarded and highly renowned uh, where T.S. Eliot being a huge part of that um, bringing yeah. it into the mainstream of the poetic background and with Kanye I can see from the perspective of kind of the classical 
hip-hop realm that his lines aren't as impressive as something that Jay-Z's doing, as something that uh, a J. Cole's been doing, that are these individual lines that have the classical things that people in the rap game look for, whether that's the punchline, the structure of the rap itself, yeah, the uh, rhyme the schemes, flow of it. yeah, flows, yeah, yeah. Uh, but to me, what Kanye's doing from the freeform kind of poetry, macro, larger ideas realm is far and away more impressive than what I'm seeing in what people like Jay Z or J Cole or even Kendrick a lot of the times is doing, mm-hmm. and I don't. I feel like it's something years on from now when that becomes more popular we're gonna look back at what kanye was doing at this time and be like oh those lyrics on the macro as he's setting up intertextuality as he's setting up theme as he's giving these build of images in a way like most other rappers aren't as imagery driven as kanye is and you can look at what is it consequence rhyme fest yeah. Rhyme Fest's mm-hmm. All Falls Down. Not All Falls mm-hmm. Down. Jesus Walks. Yeah. <laughs> Rhyme Fest's Jesus Walks and compare that to Kanye's Jesus Walks. And there are people that are, you know, rap studious that say that Rhyme Fest's version is better and superior. But if you look at the imagery and emotion that Kanye yields where Rhymefest has no imagery in his mm-hmm. but it may have the better bars in the classical sense um i just think that there's a lot of nuance to that conversation that's going to be coming up in the next 20 years of talking about uh rap and hip-hop yeah um same thing with the production i i feel that kanye's Agreed. use of uh form and function with the production and how he brings in samples and utilizes samples to Mm -hmm. fit with the narrative and theme is next level in a way that you're never seeing other rappers do. Maybe Kendrick at this point is getting to that point, but um, everybody else, it's more just stylistic choice rather than get or So you're saying that the sample choice is not just because it sounds good on the beat on the record, but because the song that he's sampling is thematically related to what he's rapping about? Absolutely. Can and you that give, goes a, can all give an example of that? College dropout. Yeah. Um, I would say No but, Mistakes is a great example. Yeah, for real, yeah. I was about to say yeah, that. so No Mistakes, uh, I mean, the song is titled No Mistakes. We're coming out of Would It Leave, where he references the TMZ stuff and realizing the shitstorm that he's caused and how he could have lost his wife and lost his family from these actions that he's been taking. Um, And you have the setup. And I thought about killing you. The most beautiful thoughts are beside the darkest. And we see that the first three songs in the album are these dark, dark thoughts. It's the mania. It's the ego. And then wouldn't leave is the tipping point. And then from violent crime or no mistakes, uh, ghost town and violent crimes you're getting the beautiful thoughts the music changes there's no samples in the first three tracks and then there's samples on the last three Mm. um 
there's a, a sonic soundscape that's a sonic soundscape soundscape that's <laughs> much more uh, spiritual and gospely. But when you get to No Mistakes, which is him coming out of Wouldn't Leave, realizing that he has to do better, yeah. that he will show his wife that he'll do better. And we see him saying that I'm not going to beef with you on that first verse. Like, I could, but these are the reasons I'm not. He's trying to do better. And he uses a sample of Slick Rick's... Oh, do Believe you remember what the song's called, Travis? Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, hold on. Sorry. I, I got it pulled up. It's weird. Uh, okay, hey, Young yeah. World. Yeah. 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 Or, yeah hey, Young World. And that whole song is Slick Rick chastising immature young men mm-hmm. and saying yeah. don't be a piece of shit you need to grow up and act like a man right you can waste all your time on drugs do this shit like but no you need to start acting like a decent person mm-hmm. and do this and that underscores everything that he's talking about in that it's also uh there's another sample that he uses children get uh, together Children get together, which seems self-explanatory just from the title. (laughs) Um, And that happens on College Dropout with All Falls Down. Um, Yeah. The Lauryn Hill song he samples looks at all the ills in society Mm -hmm. and how the courts mistreat people and how uh, people mistreat people and how we need to find religion and do better, where Kanye takes that idea of looking at society and the ills of society, but applies it in his own way to consumerism. Mm. Um, it's happened on every single album, and we've yet to encounter a sample that Kanye uses that doesn't somehow lyrically connect to the song that he uh, has made and the themes of that song. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and to build on that a little bit, I think he's getting a lot more... Um, He's getting better at using these songs too, is oh, using yeah. these samples because in No Mistakes, the song starts with Believe It or Not and it kind of repeats and the yeah. line that's actually in that Slick Rick song doesn't finish in that mm-hmm. in the beginning. And and then the the song starts and the whole song has this kind of choppy sonic structure where the samples kind of use here, samples kind of use there, there's not a complete sound throughout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can just hear Believe It or Not being repeated in the background and it's kind of buried. And then after Kanye's whole verse, when he works through all that shit and he finally says, like, I'm going to stop being an amateur brat. I want to cut the beef with Drake. I want to move forward. I want to love more. And that chorus in the outro, we finally get the entire line that comes full force. Believe it or not, the Lord still shines on you. And if you've listened to Kitsy Ghost, you know that's something he's going for. Because on Cutting Montage, the final song, he's saying, Lord, please shine your light on me. And he's mm. ready to take this next step internally um and he's ready to be better uh just the fact that he buries that slick rick line until the very end and lets it come out in full force Mm, is the consciousness he has with his production again like chris and i see this album after album song after song it's it's not just us being crazy stands you know (laughs) it's like uh I mean, it's there's, so there's, clear yeah, to you're me. right. Like this reminds me of power and the, the artwork with the, uh, like with the sword through the, through his head and the crown, you know, and like he samples King Crimson. So it's like all, there's a lot of connections there. Definitely. Yeah. No, I, I just want to say <laughs> today's podcast is sponsored by intertextuality. 
because <laughs> no, I think like you you raised such a good point because you know with with my own research like a lot of my research like you know through like my master's degree and going on to my PhD and stuff is you know sampling and musical borrowing and hip hop and stuff and that's such a good point that Kanye does so incredibly well is sort of like there's always this like implicit sort of next level of like referencing or symbolism yeah, mm-hmm. or, or whenever he samples like I, I was thinking you know earlier one of Kanye's earlier work, works on um, graduation on the song Homecoming the whole first line where he says I met this girl when I was three years old and yeah, common. I love most, like that's that's a common reference but it's not yeah. just a common reference it's not like oh hey I know I used to love her by com-. it's not referencing for the sake of referencing which in a lot of cases happen, which I don't think is a bad thing in hip-hop, is sort of referencing other hip-hop stuff, whether it's lyrics or sampling for the sake of it. I don't think that's in- intrinsic- intrinsically a bad thing. However, with a lot of Kanye material, like when he references it's like not only him taking that common lyric for the sake of it, it's taking it and making it into his own thing and saying, you know... This is what comments, and this is my take on that. You know, him going to Chicago, like mm-hmm. that whole experience that he had. So, like, yeah, that sort of intertextuality that Kanye does with the sampling. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Like, I mean, as you were kind of alluding to earlier, that's the whole reason we started getting into Kanye in the yeah. first place because Chris and yeah. I were writing about film, and the reason we wrote about film is you know to us film is the ultimate art form. It it takes the its sound, its sight, its it, there's the best films are kind of the sensory overload. You know, they like attack your senses, and they're able to tell stories in more than just is a story on a sheet of paper. Like you're really experiencing something. And to us, that's exactly what Kanye's doing. That's why he makes a film like Runaway, because that's how he thinks of his albums. You know, it's not just beginning, middle, end. It's like, how can I use this Slick Rick sample in a way that uh, thematically represents this journey I'm going on? You know, it's there's so much deeper stuff at play that it's... I don't know. I mean, that that's basically my point. Is like, there's so much to deconstruct. Like, it felt so natural for us to move from movies to him. Yeah. It, we were doing a, a movie podcast at that time, uh, summer of 2015. We were kind of like, we hate doing this. Mm. Um, and we had joked about doing a Kanye podcast uh, because <laughs> one of the things that bothered us was we realized in 2013 <laughs> that Yeezus is a narrative album. It's an album mm-hmm. with a beginning, middle, and end, with these themes that develop, with a character that develops over the course of the tracks. Mm-hmm. And we kept reading reviews, articles, everything from the time the album came out to that point in 2015, where nobody seemed to fucking understand Yeezus. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was really upsetting to us. Uh, and we'd spend a way more time than you'd expect talking about <laughs> the thematic and narrative depth of Yeezus and still discovering things two years on. And uh, we decided to start a Kanye podcast to show how Kanye had developed as a narrative artist to the point of creating Yeezus. 
Mm-hmm. Or if you look at uh, College Dropout, he has narrative verses, but not narrative verses that add up. So it's like he may have a verse that has a beginning, middle, and end, but the song itself doesn't have a beginning, middle, and end. Where on late registration, the songs like Gold Digger have beginning, middle, and end, Roses, Hey Mama. Um, and then Graduation, we thought at the time, was similar in that way, mm. uh, not realizing it was the first narrative album that kind of <laughs> done, just yeah. in a much more like high school <laughs> uh, senior project um, potential rather than being on the level of Yeezus. Uh, 808s and Heartbreak, concept album more so than a narrative album. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, we thought at the time was more concept than narrative, but has a narrative. It borrows the uh, Wizard of Oz story. Mm-hmm. Um, but our whole point was to go track by track and show when we get to Yeezus how much more next level Yeezus was. It's mm-hmm. just we kind of forgot how many albums <laughs> and tracks Kanye had. So here we are three years later. And we're not done. Uh, still doing it. Yeah. How far along are you guys in terms of like. Uh- so at one point we decided to switch the structure because if we kept going song by song in order, it would have been years before we got to Jesus or the life of Papa. <laughs> yeah. So our new structure became, all right, we'll do the first song off each album. Um, we had already covered college dropout, although now we're going through it again. So first song college dropout, first song late registration and it go first song first. And then, then we'll go back through second song. Second and song. by doing that, um, like I said, we have covered entire of College Dropout, but we're doing it again. I think we have two songs left on Late Registration, uh, two songs left on Graduation, one song left on 808s and Heartbreak, which is Pinocchio story, and that's going to destroy us. Um, <laughs> we have just the outro on Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. We finish Jesus, and I guess The Life of Pablo, we pretty much have all the bonus tracks at this point. Yeah. Yeah, we've done through Wolves. And uh, we have two more left on Yay and Kitsy Ghosts. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a serious work ethic. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, it's draining. So, um, so what happens when you finished all of them? Oh, there's so many more Kanye tracks. Oh, we're gonna do the features. <laughs> uh, we got to do all the features. We have to do the, all the non-album tracks, like all the day and only one. Freshman adjustment. Yeah, we got to go back. Era. Yeah. For sure, man. It, we, I think at some point, too, we'll have to do... I mean, we are called Watching the Throne, and that includes Jay-Z. So at some point, That's we got to cover the albums he produced for Jay-Z. Uh-huh. Yeah, and all the produced... Yeah, Kanye produced tracks, yeah. Music videos. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we still got we still got books to write. You know, we wrote the Yeezus book, but yes, there's exactly. going to be uh, yeah. so you're starting a college right? dropout book. Yep. Are you gonna do <laughs> that? Was uh, the, the that was the one disc- discography? Probably. We uh, the whole yeah, we box set. Yeah. <laughs> a whole box set. A companion um, piece to his discography. That'd be great. That would be awesome. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the Jesus book because uh, last uh, episode we talked to uh, uh, Martin a little bit about it because he's well yeah. he, he co-authored the book with you guys. Um, yeah, just yeah, tell us and our listeners a little bit about the Yeezus book, because I think, uh, um, you know, it's it's really cool to like, consider, also considering that um, your sort of starting point for 
doing this whole Kanye uh, podcast was Yeezus. It may, <laughs> makes a lot of sense, I guess, to, to start with Yeezus. Yeah. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Chris, you took the head on a lot of this. So I, I think you should start. <laughs> we we had a, a lot of very passionate thoughts on Yeezus. Uh-huh. And while we had gotten through them on the podcast, uh, it still felt like not, a, not enough. Because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> as much as we're fans of Kanye, I mean, we're, we're scholars, we're critics. This is professional work for us. We approach it in a conversational manner because that's the style that we use with our film analysis. It's the style that we prefer rather than more of the uh, classical academic presentation of information. Right. Um, When we finished the episodes, that would have been fine if we were just a podcast, but being critics and scholars, we wanted wanted the book Mm -hmm. that announced our material in a more physical form in our research something that people can have and look through and read um and a lot of the podcast has a lot of uh fluff around it Um, oh god yeah so we (laughs) wanted something that captured the essence of what we talked about and we did do an overview episode that covers all the albums or that covers yeezus on that kind of overview perspective and you gain something from that, but you also lose some of the nuance. So the book allowed us to get both the macro and micro of looking at Yeezus. And uh, I think it was just important for us as Kanye scholars, but also just as professional critics uh, to go and do. So we've been talking about it for a while. Um, I think as far back as 2016 Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until near the end of 2017 that we were like, can we get this done in time for the five-year anniversary (laughs) and uh, wrangled Martin in to write about the production since we are not production people (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, in the way that y'all and Martin are. And we, uh, got Donald Martin from The Most Unruly to come in because he's so good at knowing a lot of the larger context of things. He spends a lot of time researching the details of what went on behind the scenes to inform a lot of his Most Unruly YouTube videos. Oh, man, those are so good. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. He does such in-depth research. So he was bringing a lot of that perspective to the table and we're lucky that Michael Kazepis at Kingshot Press was down to sell his heart and soul for getting this book out in like three months. Wow. And doing yeah. a lot of the Great. graphic design and layouts and interior and editing and handling all the contracts and everything. For a small press like Kingshot Press, it was a like, definitely a leveling up project. And then we had Fabian uh, Louis. I think that's, I don't know how the German pronunciation is. is it Fabian Lewis or Fabian Louis? Um, <laughs> I'm, a German, I'm Dutch and I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a German artist who happened to just really fucking love Jesus. And we have been working with him on a design for a t-shirt and approached him about doing art for the Jesus book. And he's like, mm. oh, I already have... 10 works of art that I made inspired by Jesus. 
Um, nice. And he did a bunch of original pieces for it as well. So it was just kind of yeah. this cool way to not only crystallize our thoughts, but also work with other people and give them the opportunity to put into this book their own professional critiques and opinions and scholarship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. And I think the yeah. other thing that the book really allows us to do is that, I mean, so much of Jesus, I really Kanye in general, but also so much of Jesus is goes beyond the music in a way. Uh, we can only cover so much in the podcast form, but you know, there's the diamond encrusted mask. There's the black skinhead video. There's the Jesus mm, rants. Oh, yeah. He goes on in interviews where he, he's played as almost Andy Warhol type figure. You know, there's yeah. so much to deconstruct around that album, which again, I think gets back to Kanye uh, kind of representing a filmmaker to us in a way, you know, there's so much more happening than what, you just perceive on the surface there on the album. So the book really gave us the opportunity to give context to everything and to give, and I think that's really the purpose of the art and that's the purpose of us going uh, second by second through the tour, you know, of what mm. a Jesus show was like, because for you to really understand the album Jesus, it requires much more than us pointing out why this sample relates to this and blah, blah, blah. Like there's Kanye just poured everything into that album. It's, it's interesting. I remember one of the first episodes uh, Zach and I did, we talked about um, minimalism in music versus maximalism. And mm -hmm. if I look at the, at the Yeezus album, at the music, considering that Rick Rubin is involved, who's like the, you know, the, the number Messiah. one advocate for, for yeah. minimalism. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, like that album is, is, the music is very minimalist, right? But then... Mm. Um, really the whole like if you look at uh you take it a, a like one more step and you look at the whole sort of the rollout the tour the um the music videos and everything and you combine it all it's almost like a or maybe it's not almost maybe it is like a total art work in the sense that um maybe to fully appreciate like Jesus the album you have to take into account the context of the tour of the, the of the yeah the interviews um yeah and everything and I, it's I very like that's, yeah and um, the best part of the book is we finally someone finally put down on paper a comparison of Jesus to billy madison which we were very proud to be the first people to do that nice oh. <laughs> interesting <laughs> it's interesting you said earlier you said andy warhol and like now i'm just thinking about that like as a comparison i was like huh i never thought about that before oh yeah and I don't, I don't like have any sort of like thing to add other than like, huh, huh, <laughs> that is interesting, huh? Like, that's a very interesting yeah. comparison. I mean, I you guys were kind of discussing it earlier and how there's always like controversy surrounding an album, how Kanye's yeah. always giving off a certain image, and I mean. <clears throat> there's a notable difference between the yay you see today and the yay that was giving interviews back then. And Kanye really owned the Yeezus persona. You know, Yeezus is a fucking asshole. Let's have a toast for the douchebags. Let's have a toast for the assholes. Yeah. Yeezus is like this gross dude who wants to fuck any girl that comes in his path. And that's the whole journey of the album is him kind of working through that and becoming, being ready for love by, by Bound 2. But Kanye's really mm -hmm. owning that image because... That's the image he gives off in the tour. You know, he's somebody yeah. who he, he is Jesus in that tour. He's wearing the mask. He only takes off his Jesus, his Jesus mask for Jesus. Like he's really owning it. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I keep thinking about Andy Warhol now because I'm like, oh, wow, that's a dream. Because, you know, I'm th- like, I was at a Warhol exhibit not too long. Well, it was about a year ago. But, um, and there was like a little like video screen in the ex- exhibit, and it was a work of, of his. And it's literally just a video of Andy Warhol sitting down and just eating a burger. And that's it. <laughs> that's the whole thing. And I watched it and I was like, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> like, that's so great. And like, because it was just like, it was just, that was the art. Like, that's what it was, you know? Yeah. You know? And then the whole quote of like, art is anything you can get away with. And like, that is, that is <laughs> Kanye cool. to a T. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know. Okay, I'm going to get over that. <laughs> I'm so sorry I broke your brain. No, like, you're good. Like, I like... I like that. I like you when that happens, but um, uh, I don't know how much time you guys have, but there is one thing that we always do um, when we have uh, guests on the show, and it's we ask them what their uh, top five rappers of all time is. But then usually, you know, it's the number one is the exciting one, and it's. I guess we can sort <laughs> we of can forego Kanye. We can I guess. sort of guess that. So I guess what I want to ask you is, who's your five? No, who's your number five, four, three, and two favorite rappers? And then <laughs> um, maybe also, what's your five favorite Kanye songs? Just to see, you know, I feel like that says a lot about a person if you know their their five favorite Kanye songs. That's very true. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, if I have a second to think about it, I guess. <laughs> you don't have a list ready? <laughs> um, I could definitely do my top five Kanye songs right now. Uh, now I'm looking at my top five and I almost want to change one of them. <laughs> change it like every week. Um, uh, okay, so my top five right now. All right. And a lot of this is affected by the fact that we have uh cover these songs and one of these songs in particular we covered very recently so i'm just kind of writing the high of it right now mm-hmm. um, but my number five is fourth dimension and then mm-hmm. hold my liquor at four i'm in it at three waves at two and lost in the world at one hmm. and if you want to hate on any of those just go for it the interesting thing is none of those would make my top five but i can't really hate on the list yeah i mean each of those has a very personal reason for being in there that Mm -hmm. yeah that goes beyond just us analyzing it um but i think because chris and i are so deep in it that for when a song works on every single level and i have an emotional reaction to it like those songs just all represent that that deeper level for me yeah i got uh from my top five kanye songs blame game at Mm -hmm. five Mm mm-hmm Real friends, wolves, yikes, and I thought about killing you. Oh. And a lot of that has to do with the top ones, at least, uh, with context around it. We tend to talk a lot about there being, I mean, intercontextuality in the albums, but also between uh, it within the discography itself, you can actually trace a like, ultimate Kanye character that goes from college dropouts, innocence, to starting to face this turn into celebrity on late registration. Mm-hmm. Like You see more of the dire elements of it. 
to graduation where he gives in to celebrity and the ego overwhelms to 808s and heartbreak being what happens when the ego overwhelms and shatters the life that he had been leading Mm -hmm. Uh, to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy being that first drop into completely losing yourself to Yeezus being this monster and him kind of fighting to come out of it and try to have a healthy relationship again Mm -hmm. the life of Pablo him finally having that ultimate battle between which one do I continue to be the celebrity or do I finally give over to uh family and faith and all of that to yay being this uh battle with your mental health and your mental scape and your history and who you had been and i guess developing that to the the next level so with all of that in mind and everything that we've known about kanye up to that point like the revelations on yikes and the vulnerability and i thought about killing you Mm-hmm. makes those songs so much more powerful to me than if they were just uh, songs. Yeah, so if, let's say, some some artist you never heard about made I Thought About Killing You, you would have liked the song, and that's that. But now, considering sort of the, the, the context of 14 years of personal development <laughs> for Kanye, yeah. that makes it the number one. Is that sort of, am I? Yeah. 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 Sure. yeah. All right. Zach, what is your list, actually? Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can go in order, like, five, four, three, two. I don't, I don't know either. I can just, yeah. I'm just going to pick five. Yes, sure. In no particular order. Uh, Ultralight Beam mm. is definitely out there. Uh, All Falls Down is definitely out there. Um, uh... We know how impossible <laughs> it is. It's okay. It's, it's, uh, I know. It's, I had oh heard him say, oh, um, yeah, I love heard him say. Hey mom, I cried the first time I heard hey mom, I cried like really hard. Well, like, you have a heart, a great, so yeah, <laughs> it's so oh, not gonna get into that, but um, and then okay, last one. Uh, I think well, graduation is definitely like my. That's not a popular opinion, but graduation is my favorite album of his. Um, mm-hmm. So probably one more thing. I I don't know homecoming like the first time I heard. Homecoming, I think that's when I really got into Kanye. Like, I just... Because, like, I was already, like, at the time... This is when I was, like, 15. Like, I was already, like, a Coldplay fan. So I heard Chris Martin. I was like, oh, my God, this is cool! (laughs) And, you know... But then just, like, the... Like, I was just geeking out about it earlier, so... (laughs) That's definitely probably out there. So no particular order, but that's my five for now, at least. Yeah. Uh, I don't have an exact order, order either. Um... But All Falls Down has to be on there. I've probably played that song on repeat 200 times in a row at, at one point. Um, um, let me see. Dark Fantasy. Um, good choice. Good choice. I know my number one, so I want to save that one. Um, I really love Gorgeous. Yeah. Um, the Glory. No, mm, maybe. Oh, the glory is amazing. The glory is, or champion. I think that might be his most oh, no, underrated song. It might be no champion. I think champion is my is. It's also great. Is up yeah, and then my number one, that was four, right? Mm. Yeah, and then my number one is welcome to heartbreak. 
Oh wow! I have a I have a really like dumb story about champions. <laughs> um, so I was at this. I love the sound um, so much. I was at a coffee shop, um, and that that song that kind of is "Kid Charlemagne" by Steely Dan. Yes. And I was at this coffee shop not too long ago, and that song, like not. The Kanye song, but like the Steely Dan song, sir. Yeah. And for a split second, I was like, oh shit, they're playing this song. What the fuck? Because it was just like a classic <laughs> rock station they were playing. And I got real excited. I was like ready for like Kanye to come in. I was like, oh, this is the original song. Oh, that's stupid. Okay. <laughs> well, the, I mean, the, the Steely Dan song is pretty fucking dope, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I was just totally like not, I would just, it was a totally. I got, I got way too excited to hear that, and then I was like, oh, this is good. Which is still good, but I was like, oh, this is not Kanye. What is this? <laughs> but yeah, you, you guys are right. It is an impossible to a job. Um, I just realized I don't have anything on there from post uh, Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. But I guess it's that's tough. because Dark Fantasy was the album that sort of... Like, I was already a huge Kanye fan, but... Dark Fantasy just blew me away. I'm still sort of oh, yeah. uh, recovering from that. And I, I don't think he's ever topped that for me afterwards. So um, I think even though there's a, a bunch of amazing songs that came after, I'm not listing them here. But hey, it's a top five. What can you do? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and aside from Kanye, who's obviously your number one favorite rapper, what other hip hop artists do you listen to? Um, which ones do you appreciate for how they use narrative structure or um, intertextuality? Or <laughs> That's what I was going to frame all this with. Is That's kind of how I, I listen to, I mean, yeah. most music in general, but hip hop too. I'm kind of looking for, you know, that Kanye element. Uh-huh. Um, I will say that top for me, and these are all really obvious, probably. Um, I love Mob Deep. Yes. Oh. I love Outkast. Great. Uh, Public Enemy was probably the first hip hop band I actually got into, and they're way up there for me. And yeah. then they're sorry, they're they're why I'm here. <laughs> Public Enemy. <laughs> yeah, and then for some newer artists, I think Tyler the Creator and Kendrick Lamar are the are standouts. Mm. Like they're going to take the, uh, like they're the next step. I think they, they can actually make a Kanye West like album. I, I actually think Tyler the Creator actually did it with Flower Boy, so. Oh, and man, Kendrick did it with Damn. Yeah, and freaking Tyler keeps coming out with like new tracks, and they're all great. And I'm like, damn, dude, like how how are you doing this? Like, holy shit! <laughs> Stop it! It's not fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Save some for the rest of us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I tend to be less when it comes to music, uh, less into artist and more into albums. Mm-hmm. Um. So I made I made the kind of top five albums. Okay. That I'm more into, which I guess a couple of them it's their only album, but uh, like Black Star is my oh. next most favorite project. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. in rap, I just think that album's incredible. Um, Agreed. And then, in no particular order, Marshall Mathers LP. Oh man, that's my favorite of all time. <laughs> yeah, that was that blew my mind when I was hearing it. Just the way that M was developing narratives on a lot of those songs oh, with man, uh, yeah. Stan and the way I am, and 
just kind of Kim. building character and worlds within tracks. Yeah. I still find, uh, like, in for the Marshall Mathers LP, like, I, I've never heard a rapper be so lyrical, like, from a technical perspective, like, bars, 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 but then all the while make he makes you forget that you're actually listening to a song you're you're listening to a story like kim is incredible if you look at the rhyme schemes and the and the flow but if you but if you're listening to it you you're not even focusing on that you're just he's drawing like you know what i mean he's ah mm. oh, yeah okay go on marshall mathers <laughs> i like you <laughs> i like you <laughs> yeah marshall mathers lp um and then it goes back and forth, damn, and Good Kid, Mad City, because Good Kid, Mad City, I don't think is nearly as deep as To Pimp a Butterfly and Damn, mm-hmm. but sonically, I like it way more than the other two. Mm. Uh, damn is the most postmodern Thank and most you. showing over telling of Kendrick's albums. Thank you. Yeah, Thank it's amazing. you. I'm sorry. It's just like. Uh, like people like the biggest criticism I've heard with Damn is that like there isn't like any sort of like themes or anything, and I'm like, what oh, the fuck oh, wow. are you talking about? <laughs> like what? Like what? You can listen to the album backwards, and it still makes it like I'm sorry, I'm getting on a rant. It's just like <laughs> that's why we're here, man. Crazy, like cause, I guess because after the hype of like To Pimp a Butterfly, where there's very there's a very strong like sort of narrative structure and concept and stuff. Yeah, with the you know, with damn, it's yeah, much yeah. more like you said, like postmodern, abstract, sort of like <laughs> approach. And I thought I was this is a, this is a, like in a way it was like there were parts of it that were like better than damn or better than yeah. Pippa Butterfly. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah. I just uh, get d- oh, it just grinds my gears, man. <laughs> when people are just like, oh, there's not really, it's just a bunch of like pops. Up. Wait, you're wrong. You're just wrong. <laughs> Your opinion is wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's just bad. like, that's not even a case of like art subjective. No, yeah. like this is objective, like artistry where you can yeah, whether understand you like techniques. It or not. Yeah, whether you like yeah. it or not is subjective. That's all, you know, that's, that's fine. But to ignore the, uh, yeah like to me technically looking at narrative development and artistry and kind of the technical elements of that yeah i think i could make an objective case that uh good kid mad city and to pimp a butterfly while epic and very popular aren't that difficult um they show more than they tell or they tell more than they show uh they do make choices that make it obvious what the story is mm-hmm. like good kid mad city literally has exposition <laughs> throughout the whole yeah. thing showing you what's going on to pimp a butterfly explains the poem mm-hmm. and has the whole conversation with tupac which the conversation with tupac is the most postmodern part of to pimp a butterfly but it also serves as <laughs> expositional summary it's also hitting the nail on the head like this is what i'm doing guys (laughs) very very much um damn he abandons those exposition moments he still has some conversation uh and it still creeps in here and there but for the most part it's the album that's the most artistic and the most nuanced and people like they do with kanye just completely a lot of people completely missed it yeah. Um, so I go back and forth on those because I don't always love the soundscape on Damn. 
there's i agree some like six minute songs there's two and a half minutes that i'm listening to just because i want to get to the other (laughs) four minutes it's weird Um, too because with damn like there's a noticeable at least in comparison to previous work a noticeable amount of trap you know mike will made it was involved heavily yeah with the production and you know there's a lot of like i remember reading like there was a couple beats on damn that were actually going to be used by i think like either Young Thug or Gucci Mane or something. So it was a completely different. Yeah. So, but like, I remember when Trap started blowing up and becoming more popular, I was like, some artist, maybe it's Kendrick, I don't know, is going to take that Trap sound and do something like mind blowing with it. Yeah. And then like, damn came out. I'm like, there it is. Like, there it is. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Humble is insane. yeah. Yeah. Um, DNA is absolutely DNA too. bonkers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the last or the last two uh, classic miseducation of Lauren Hill. Mm. There's something about just where that fits into everything that's very fascinating to me, and I still like a lot of just how it flows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's other albums that could compete with that. That's kind of the weakest one. But a lot of the other albums that I really love by people, I think also have moments that I don't love, that it's a little bit more rocky. Uh, like Man on the Moon is one where they're, the highs are so high, but the lows, I'm like, this is almost juvenile how, <laughs> uh, how I feel about like this track or this track. Um, Blueprint 3 is another one where there's a lot of like highs on that album where I'm like, this is incredible, but then other moments where i'm just like yeah yeah, this is jay-z yeah (laughs) Yeah. um but then the last one's uh judith by dz brown who's a independent artist in austin who's just kind of starting to blow up and Mm. judith was his first project and it's the closest thing i've felt to listening to kanye uh soundscape wise lyrically it it's more concept than narrative, I think. At least I haven't sussed out the narrative yet if it's there. But just what it's doing production-wise and how he's performing on the album is just... It, there are moments where I'm listening to it and a part happens and I'm like, that's so fucking good. <laughs> and then another part awesome. happens and I'm like, ah, that's so fucking good. So that is up What's there. his name again? DZ Brown, D-double-E-Z-I-E. All right, nice. I'm going to look that up. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's, they, uh, he was really influenced by also. Kanye, Travis Scott, and Bon Iver. Mm-hmm. And I've, uh, I've interviewed him twice now, and he was saying that a lot of this album was him deconstructing my beautiful dark twisted fantasy mm-hmm. and figuring out what made that album so amazing to him. And then doing it. <laughs> nice. Cool. Well, that sounds yeah, like something I would really enjoy considering <laughs> how yeah. much of a fan of Dark Fantasy I am. <laughs> um, I have to say I'm kind of disappointed that Scorpion didn't make your uh, make your list. I mean, uh, it was close. It just it just just got edged out. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but but technically it's got 25 songs and Yay only has seven, so it's 
like almost four times as good, right? Yeah, right. But yeah, you can absolutely. listen to Yay four times in a row, and it's much more enjoyable. So <laughs> it's more bang for your buck, yeah. But but yeah. you can listen to Scorpion on shuffle, and it's just as good as when you don't listen to it on shuffle. Whereas Yay doesn't make any sense. That's true. Have you considered that? <laughs> that I can't argue I mean, with that. Hey, I mean, you can't. You can be like Zach saying, "Oh man, damn, it's so good." You can w- listen to it backwards, and then I say, "You can listen to Scorpion on shuffle," and you guys are like, "Well, whatever." Like, nah, that's not how it works, guys. <laughs> but you ain't wanna listen, did you? Keep that same energy. Keep that same energy. You're right. It's Drake, Drake changing the game, making an album that you can listen to on shuffle. <laughs> And it doesn't matter what song you listen to. He calls it a playlist. <laughs> okay, it's it's been it's been absolutely great to have you guys on the show. Um, I like I'm 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 really a fan of the pod. Uh, even though sometimes I don't agree with your opinions, I keep coming back to what you guys are saying, and I really appreciate uh, appreciate it that you're taking a look at hip hop or uh, and at Kanye West. Um, from a perspective that is ignored a lot. So thank you so much for that. And um, yeah, thanks for having us. There's so much to talk about when discussing Kanye. I mean, you could even start like a podcast just about him um, and probably make it work. So um, yeah, thank you so much for being here. And um, if you liked um, our guest today, make sure to check out the Watch the Throne, a lyrical analysis of Kanye West. Make sure to check out that podcast. Check them out on Twitter for some entertaining, uh, to make your Twitter feed a little more entertaining at at <coughs> sorry at Kanye Podcast. I'm pretty sure you can buy the Yeezus book on Amazon. Yes, and right. KingshotPress.com. Nice. All right, so check Get that it. out. Go check it out. Yeah. And uh, if you'd like the Kick Knowledge Podcast, make sure to follow us on our social media, uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram. We're on facebook as well and you can find the podcast on mixcloud on stitcher radio and on itunes of course uh as well as on rapanalysis.com um slash kick knowledge so um yeah with that being said peace out